Ryan, we're back for double prizes this week. All right, double prizes. Oh, yeah? We've got to bridge the gap to Singapore. Yeah, exactly. I know. I feel naked now without uh, another race. I miss the old triple header from uh, last season. I wish the whole... I wish the whole season was a 21 header. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, the drivers might take that if it means they get a uh, longer break off, you know, between the uh, end and start of the next year. Yeah, maybe psychos to do that. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, Purple Sector doesn't take any breaks, so let's get into it. Welcome to Purple Sector, Helmut and Rye Guy here. Rye Guy, how goes it? Good, good. Dude, uh, I have my coffee here as we record this morning <laughs> in one of those uh, water bottles, you know, the lined, whatever, swell water bottles. They're, yeah. they're almost too good, dude. Even at the end of the day, it's like putting your mouth right underneath the, uh, the coffee maker and taking it straight from the drip, you know? Oh, yeah. They stay hot as balls. You oh, got to be careful. It's scalding. If you pour it in there first, man, it's it's good for days. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, we uh, teased some news articles and stuff that we said we'd get into again this week for double prizes, as we mentioned in the intro. So, uh, do you want to get into some of that right now? Sting our way over there? Yeah, let's spin the news. <laughs> spin the news. Entering the spin zone, baby. So, Ryan, we talked about Rich Energy and Haas finally this has splitting to be, this ways. This has to be our, our big lead. This is our biggest story of the week. It's the big lead. The title sponsorship agreement between Haas F1 and Rich Energy has been terminated immediately with the team citing, quote, a corporate restructuring process at Rich Energy as the impetus. Yeah, that was the, <laughs> that's the reason, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's because William Story's back in the picture, and they were like, "Is right, he really we need to cut ties?" I believe so. Yeah. So, if you guys haven't listened, go back and listen to our. I think it's titled uh, "The Neverending Story," spelled like his last name, E Y, where we did all, we were able to go do a whole episode, episode. ninety three. Yeah, episode ninety three. Episode ninety three. Go back and spin that, and uh, we were able to do a whole episode that was riveting on just all the drama going on with Rich Energy, William Story, and Haas F One. Yep. Yeah, I noticed. I didn't know he was maybe back in the picture, um, but I did see the article mentions that he kind of maybe mellowed out a little bit because he was making some c- classy comments for once. You know. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, not, not but he's back out, in the picture. Yeah, not tweeting out uh, Photoshop pictures of him running down Haas F1. This story has gone like so all over the place when you think about it. Because like you said, you have a, a, a pretty classy quote by his standards for William's story as Haas's 
parting ways. So he said, you want me to read it? Mm-hmm. All right, so William Story said, quote, I would like to thank at, Hoff, at Haas F1 team for great efforts in our partnership. <laughs> it, is, it is regrettable they got caught in crossfire of a shareholder dispute, which led to this whole... Which led to this wholly avoidable fiasco. I wish the team the very best and our passion for motorsport unabated. So I think that uh, I'm guessing it's uh, it was Haas that made this happen because now that he's back in the picture, I, I wouldn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, and it's funny that he says they got caught in the crossfire. He was spraying bullets directly at Haas over and over and over. This wasn't crossfire. This was mortar fire right on Haas's headquarters. Yeah, this is just so funny. Yeah, and it's funny that uh, Haas, the language they use, right, when they're saying, uh, yeah, it's because of corporate restructuring. That's why we're going to do it. Yeah, that's comedy. That is comedy. The only sad thing, Ryan, apparently this uh, decision to part ways will not impact the primary color scheme of the Haas VF19. So we won't get a a free new livery out of this. Yeah, that's upsetting. Um but I, I mean, I like their color scheme. I just, I just, they're hard to watch because they suck right now. Yeah, I, uh, I have another article later on that we'll get into um, with another team that is probably not going to be changing their livery for the next, uh, not changing it very much at least for the next three, four years because of uh, extending with their title sponsor. But I always, I always loved it before. You know, we were, we never knew. It was really one of the banner years for liveries. I think Barrett and I, if you want to go back in the archives, Barrett and I did a whole livery or death bit where we said whether we gave it livery or gave it death for every team's colors. And I remember that year was a banner year because I think that was when McLaren first brought out the orange. That was when Force India, yeah, Force India went pink. Uh, so there were a lot of good teams. That was when um, Sauber had that money blue and gold. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That that has to be one of the best of recent memory. I love that because the lights made it look even more amazing that year. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like all the liveries on the grid right now, except for uh, Racing Point Force India, of course. Yeah, they've, they've kind of made the pink less pink. It's kind of washed out now, and then it doesn't gel at all with, like, that crazy bright Deep blue. Deep blue? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's I agree. Uh, no good and you mean force india just, not racing point yeah and it's <laughs> always just it's just looked like a stick of, or a pack of gum to me like an old school 90s pink pack of gum yeah if you stuck it to the side of uh or if you stepped on it with a blue soled shoe exactly <laughs> so yeah that uh this is interesting though we're always looking at it from the angle also of haas continuing on so if they really felt like they needed this sponsor money because they're not going to perform well financially this year, I would assume, right? Given that they're not going to get much of anything in terms of, uh, you know, prize money and they're getting rid of a sponsor's money. I wonder, um, getting more and more worried about the longevity of Haas and formula one. No, I mean, the, you can spin it positively. This, this this shows that they don't need the money if they're willing to let them go this easily. That's true. Cause, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of races left. They, they clearly don't need the money. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be messy, man. I wonder if 
Story is back if they're going to let him pay the bills because you might have Haas rattling the can outside the Rich Energy uh, boardroom trying to collect their debts the way he wasn't paying off anything in the uh, trademark infringement lawsuit. I mean, who knows? It's it's just, in my opinion, it's just an added bonus for Gene Haas because he basically runs the F1 team as an advertisement anyways. So right. Yeah, he's more about know, his just, machining tools and all that stuff that Haas has. Yeah. So, Ryan, some other breaking news on the Rich Energy side. Uh, more of the Rich Energy cans exploded in our mini fridge. So, maybe there's Are we down to none? Uh, there might be one or two that still survived, but a few more dented out and sprayed out in the uh, mini fridge. So, I don't know. Of the, Hopefully, he doesn't have to turn back in those 90 million cans or whatever he claimed he had that we got into on the uh, never-ending story episode. Well, there's 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 at least two that we've already urinated out of our bodies, so he's not getting those back. True. Now they're not. They're gonna have to pry them from our cold, dead, lifeless fingers. You know, those are keepsakes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, while we're on that financial tip, right guy, I have a couple financial-based news stories. We'll get into the formula money of things here. So the headline, Williams F1 posted a significant financial loss for the first six months of 2019, paying the price for poor performance last season. So going from 27 to 20, 2017 to 2018, Ryan, they went from 5th to 10th, and then since then they've been just dragging the ass end of the grid for the last two seasons. Yeah, and now they're bleeding money. Yeah, and they've also they lost all that income associated with the pay drivers, Lance Stroll and Sergey Sorokin, and they lost title sponsor Martini, and so that. Re- but they got Kubica. Right. <laughs> so that revamping after losing all that dough was to sign on Rocket as the title sponsor and get Orlin sponsorship, the Polish gas company, from Robert Kubica yep. coming to the team. So here are the the hard numbers, Ragai. So they generated revenue of only 46.3 million pounds in January through June of this year compared to 60.7 million pounds last year, which is a loss of almost 17 million pounds in the first six months after posting a profit of 0.2 million pounds uh, in the same period last year. Yeah, $200,000 pound profit when you're earning 60 million plus. Yeah, man, they're killing it. <laughs> yeah. So they actually are being buoyed, much like Haas, uh, by improved performance for their uh, sister company, Williams Advanced Engineering, which increased revenue from $21.5 million to £30.9 million. Pounds. Uh, and as I mentioned, that Rocket title sponsorship deal, they got a, a two-year extension there, so it'll continue until at least 2023. So... At least we know Williams won't be leaving the grid with the uh, new regulations. They're actually excited, thinking that the the financial leveling will give them more of a shot to recover form. Wait, wait. The Rocket deal is through 2023? Yeah, they just extended it two more years. Damn, does that mean that... I mean, because Rocket is the company that's affiliated with Kubica, correct? Uh, Orlin is the Polish gas company. I don't ah, think Rocket okay. is. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they're going to keep Kubica till 2023? Rockets, no way. Rockets everywhere. They sponsor the Houston Rockets in the NBA here. So 
They're they're making That's a serious advertising play. Yeah, they're huge. Nice. Well, I mean, things are not looking up for them as yeah. far as how they're going to start making money. I would like to see a redesign of that livery, though. I'm not a big fan of it. They kind of tried to. I like it. They try to keep a lot of the same William or uh, Martini lines, you know, the lines going the length of the car and stuff. I'd like to see something else uh, a little more aggressive. I just like loud liveries, Ryan. I, I enjoy the uh, the Williams livery. Yeah. Well, let's get into dig into another Formula One team's pockets. So this is actually going to be heavy Renault news in this one because we're getting into the uh, driver change at Renault. The headline is Renault F1 team generated more income in 2018 than 2017, but also made a significant loss, newly released company accounts show. So they're basically, be- <laughs> because they're investing a ton, it sounds like they're sticking around. I don't know if a beatable will stick around with them, but Renault is a very, I think, committed to Formula One right now, especially given that they're a, a works team, you know? Mm-hmm. So they were ninth place in 2016, climbed to sixth in 2017, um, and then a modest profit of 1.1 million pounds in 2017 became a loss of 7.4 million last year. <laughs> so is it, it has to be because of Ricardo's contract, right? I mean, because his, his contract is like, dumb in comparison to their actual total bankroll yeah total budget they're also investing a ton apparently so here's what they claim the main causes were the weak pound was one of the primary causes they were saying um and they were using extra resources and putting those into in-season car development to battle for fourth last year Mm. plus i mean they are trying to they're trying to make the jump from like that mid-table team up to uh you know sort of a mercedes or ferrari size it'll take time but that's what they're doing well ryan your actual quotes they aren't just looking to jump into that top tier there are major projects in the pipeline for 2019 and beyond to achieve renault's long-term aim of winning the constructors championship jesus did i write this article i'm all over (laughs) it yeah, they're going for the constructors, man. Not they don't want to just leap up and contend with those top guys. They want that constructors chip. Yeah, I mean, good luck. Their timing is kind of strange on this. Like, it's almost like they're doing it too early. They got the ball rolling at the end of 2018 with the new regs coming out in 2021. Yeah, it seems kind of fruitless to be dumping money in the two years where you know you won't catch Mercedes and yeah, like, everything's going to change. Why did they go so? Why did they think it would be wise to spend that much money on Ricardo? The last two years of the formula, you don't give a shit about. I think they just need some juice, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, they're, let's they're, see. they're wildly irresponsible with their money, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they print money though. So, I mean, they're the largest car manufacturer in the world, right? By volume. They do, but that doesn't guarantee that they're going to always be willing to cough it up for the Formula One team. That's a lost leader. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they seem committed, though, being a works team, having a customer for their engine, and (laughs) having this goal of a constructor's championship. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. All right, right, guy. let's get into some hot Lewis Hamilton talk, brother. Headline, Lewis Hamilton believes he can be 100% satisfied with his F1 career, even if he never ends up competing for Ferrari. So this is another one we teased on the previous episode. Um, 
So he was asked ahead of the Italian Grand Prix if he would truly consider his F1 career complete if he retired without having ever raced for Ferrari. So his mm-hmm. quotes were, I think so. When you're part of Mercedes, you're part of a family for life. <laughs> so 100%, I could finish here and be content. And then I'd get to drive Ferraris on the road. <laughs> so it sounds like he, he doesn't need to drive the uh, open wheel variety. He's happy to spend all his loot on road Ferraris. Yeah, I mean, those quotes from him, from him are actually hilarious when you, when you think about it. Yeah. And this, right? He says... He's okay with just driving a Ferrari on the road. Yeah. And he says, I love the color of the car. You see the passion of the crowd, of the team, when they're down below the podium. It's different from any other place. It is. <laughs> yeah, I just love the, I love the color of the car. Everyone loves a red car, am I right? Especially the police. Yeah. They love pulling over red cars. Absolutely. So, Ryan, he also, uh, he, he really plays the game well, as we know. So, he does a good job then of, now he's really pumping up Leclerc, because obviously if he did go to Ferrari, he'd be replacing Vettel and taking that seat. He says, I'm sure they're happy with the new young star they've got coming up in Leclerc, and I'm super excited to see how he progresses. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all knew he was super mature when he was at Alpha last year. Because he was putting in amazing performances in that car and making nails passes. And now it seems like he's finally kind of gotten comfortable in the Ferrari and it's more of a true split role. Because remember, at the beginning of the year, it was clearly still team orders for Vettel. Yeah, yeah. And earlier in the year, I was starting to wonder, like, because uh, Leclerc was on the doorstep of his first win for a while there and it kept getting squandered. And I was like, man, is he going to be one of those guys who, like, it takes forever to get over the hump. Right. And you don't have forever at Ferrari. So if he had been that guy, no, you, who, yeah, you have, you have like thir- 30 seconds at Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. The, the blink of an eye and, uh, they'll boot your ass out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, this, it was also a test, right? Because Ferrari never typically would back these super young drivers. This was like against type for them. So, you know, if it, hadn't worked out they would have probably had a pretty short leash having egg on their face for changing their philosophy and getting it wrong yeah absolutely but overall i don't think we had any doubt that leclerc would take care of business you know yeah one thing is evident to me though that that ferrari is not easy to drive um because even when leclerc's hooked up you know and he everything's kind of working for him as far as like raw pace on any given weekend with the ferrari it's still like him or Vettel cannot do a entire Grand Prix length without making several mistakes. Yeah, and it chews up your tires, so that's going to make it even more of a bear to handle, right? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a monster on straight line power, but I think it's a fucking handful in those slow to medium um, speed corners. Oh, yeah, I mean, you're just strapping yourself to a rocket engine, basically, and then having to try and <laughs> control that in the Ferrari. Exactly. Ryan, let's uh, pivot back over to Renault, baby. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. So I just I had to do the math. Um, Ricardo's two-year salary is 25% of Renault's annual budget. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's the real boss over there at Renault. Yeah. Think about, think about that, dude. That's crazy. Who, who signed off on this? Does a beatable just run this thing like a dictator? 
Yeah, I think they're <laughs> I think they're trying to almost pretend to be one of the top teams before they are, right? Because the only teams that can really absorb those kinds of contracts for good drivers are, you know, Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. But Renault is kind of trying to talk the talk before they walk the walk. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't, I, I just don't, I don't understand what the goal was. I mean, Ricardo, yeah, he's a shiny toy, very good driver. But if your car is okay for these two years, why the fuck are you paying this guy $55 million? Yeah, I mean, maybe he can pull one podium for them this year if they keep that form they had in Monza, but you're not paying a driver <laughs> if your goal is to win the constructors to have reliability issues and not win races. Yeah, I mean, if anything, hats off to Ricardo for for you know pulling off one of the biggest highway robberies of all time as far as a contract deal in Formula 1. Yeah, I mean, it, you could see, obviously, why it was not super difficult for him to leave Max's side at Red Bull and go over there and get that bag of money that Cyril Abitable was dangling. Yeah, and as he said before, and we, we talked about this on a previous news episode, he said that, Ricardo said that, um, you know, Red Bull's offer wasn't bad and it was pretty close to Renault. I doubt it. There's no way Red Bull was going to pay him close to $28 million a year. Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to make him higher paid than Max is probably the main reason he left, right? Oh, yeah, I, I guarantee it. Yeah. So let's stick on a beatable here. So Renault boss Cyril Abitable says the team needs a restart internally, and that's what played a part in the decision to replace Hulkenberg with Esteban Ocon. Uh, <laughs> this is funny. There was quotes, I have quotes here from Nico Hulkenberg talking about it, and... uh he, he obviously hits on what we think the main reason was. He says, quote, there's also a nationality factor in here. I mean, the, the French are very nationalistic, and you know that they've probably been yearning to get a Frenchman in there. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I, I have no idea if, if Ocon's actually a good driver, like a, like a top-tier driver potentially. And, I doubt it. Yeah, and if he's a driver that would get along with a fun-loving guy like Ricardo, right? Because everywhere he's been, I mean, the only place he's been, Force India, he and Perez were just taking each other out of races all the time. And then you had Ocon take out for stopping, right? So I could quickly see Ocon getting physical with Ricardo on track. Yeah, possibly. Um, I don't know. Ricardo's done a good job of keeping his nose clean. Outside of that one time that him and Max came together, in uh, Baku at Red Bull, but I mean, it is Max too, so you well, know, there remember, is that aggressiveness there. Yeah, remember this year though, also, I mean, maybe we can believe that Ricardo didn't see in his rear view mirror at Baku that who was it behind him? I can't remember, but it was one of the Force Indias, right? Um, when, he, when he just reversed right back into the car when they were both parked in the, uh, the exit lane. I can't remember. I. Was it Lance Stroll? I honestly can't remember. But, uh, yeah, Lance Stroll seems to be the punching bag on track, right? He always ends up involved in all sorts of contact. He had Vettel spinning him out here. I mean, he always ends up being a magnet for contact. Wasn't it Kvyat? Yeah, you're right. It was Kvyat. Let me look that up for you. I need to know now. You, you've piqued my interest. It was Kvyat. I remember now give me that, for sure. Give me that a beatable. Give me that a... Yeah, it was Kvyat. <laughs> so... What it was... 
What's that? A, beat- a beatable, more like fiscally irresponsible. More like <laughs> Renault is one of the more beatable teams in the midfield. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so beatable. Here's Cyril has some great quotes here, Ryan. So he says, quote, there's a dynamic that we need to restart, reset to the team. Ocon is probably starving for racing, being super happy to come back into racing because he's been out of a seat for a year. That's not true, Ryan. He had that seat right on Toto's lap, bouncing on his knee the entire year. He hasn't been out yeah, of the seat. In fact, he's been very close to have one. He's had the warmest seat in Formula One. Yep. <laughs> I just love that, you know. Yeah, that's the reason. Not that he, he flies the the rooster French flag over his head if he uh, makes a podium, you know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's um, I'm just shocked that they, they told Hulkenberg to kick rocks. Yeah, and let's get into that. My next article is right on that topic. So this is what I was getting at, Ryan, with Ocon, that I don't know that he'll be... I think Hulkenberg is another guy who would mesh well with Ricardo because they both seem kind of laid back, right? I don't know that Ocon is necessarily laid back. So the headline is, Danny Ricardo expected Nico Hulkenberg to have a chip on his shoulder, but hopes his outgoing teammate stays in F1 after finding him easy to work with. So as we know, Hulkenberg holds the F1 record for the most starts without a podium finish. If he had played his cards a little better and stayed off that drag strip in Hockenheim, he might have had his first podium. Um, yeah. So the quotes here, Ryan, Ricardo says, quote, if he wants to keep racing in F1, I hope for him he finds something. He's been easy to work with. We kind of just did our thing. It's kind of no nonsense. We're here. We're going to race. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. Obviously, there nothing's firm yet on whether or not he's going to get that hot seat. But I, I think anyone who has a brain can tell that there, there's no way they re-up Grosjean. There's just no way. Yeah. I'm so with it's, you got, on that. it's got. We to be were Hulkenberg. shocked that he came back this year. Yeah, but it's got to be Hulkenberg that takes the seat. So let's just say hypothetically he does. If he does, he will. <laughs> he will continue that podium drought for a long time at Haas. Oh, for sure. I think any team that makes a move that's replacing any drivers going into next year, you have to make that signing with the assumption that that will be your guy going into the new regs, right? Like we have a year now to kind of get familiar, figure this guy out. If he's a total disaster, obviously we change before the new regs, but you have to really start positioning yourself for the 2021 regs, right? With your drivers and your design and everything. I agree with some of that, but I think the, when they, when the reset button gets hit on the regs, that is a, 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 a wide-open opportunity to just put anyone in the seat because it's a totally different car. They That's don't true. need any prior knowledge. Plus, you could have rapid movement the same way in previous eras of Formula One when there were massive you know, technology upgrades and things where you just have huge names you know, looking which way the wind is blowing and just going over to, you know, as, uh, as assassins, getting dragged over to whatever chassis they think is going to be the best on track. Yeah, I mean, if you want a good example of what I just said, it, it's uh, Mercedes, right? So Rosberg was there for, what, two to three years before the V6 hybrid era started? The instant the V6 hybrid era starts, they sign Hamilton, Hamilton wins all the titles, right? It doesn't, Rosberg got all his of one. Rosberg, yeah. 
Exactly, but it took him three years. And then he had to, and then he ran out of Formula One. Sprinted, sprinted out of Formula and One and into our YouTube oh. and social media feeds. <laughs> yeah, only to sprint back and do do social media from the grid. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan. So Danny Rick had some other praise for Nico that I thought was kind of curious. He says, "Quote: He's quick." As far as technique goes in that, some similarities to Max Verstappen in some areas. What, Who said that? <laughs> that's what Ricardo said about Hulkenberg. Oh, what? I don't know what that means in what areas. That's a that, crazy, crazy comparison. Yeah, maybe in the areas that he's your teammate now and Max was your teammate at one point. You know, that might be the it's only like, similarity. It's like the it's like Verstappen is the, is the only teammate Ricardo's ever known. I mean, that's the thing. It's really the... I guess the most uh, the teammate that is burned into his memory probably. So that's why everyone he has to compare to Max. Every other every other word out of uh, Ricardo's mouth is fucking Red Bull or Max. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable that that's still all the chatter, right? Oh, dude. Yeah. But the breaking news that just happened. Let me sting this because I'm actually stoked for this, and I think a couple of them look pretty good. Danny Rick without Beavis's help has signed on with Stance Socks, big sock company that has kind of taken over a ton of market share. They were temporarily, I believe, for a year or two, the official sock of the NBA. But they have all kinds of, uh, you know, agreements, I guess, with different, like they make Star Wars socks and they do all kinds of different professional sports stuff and athlete stuff. And they've signed on Danny Rick. is Is Stance paying us? Why are you plugging them so hard? Just because I, I think it's funny that Danny Rick is now one of the faces and has his own line of a few different socks that basically are designed after his helmet this year. The stop being them with the pastels and everything. I think the socks look good. I'm going to have to get myself a pair for the studio here. I'm going to have to go shoeless, shoeless Joe Jackson and throw on the, uh, the socks when we record. I haven't looked at any of them yet, but uh, I'm surprised you haven't bought some already. So they call him in like the press release or the promotional page on the website or whatever, a punk and poet <laughs> or a poet punk or something like that. How do I find his socks on the on the website? I send him to the group chat we have with our brothers. It's difficult to find. You can kind of find news stories, but some of the ones that I've seen images of in the press release, I can't find on the website because it's not like easy to just type in his name and get the line. But if you go to their site, just type in Ricardo, and you'll probably find. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking right now on the Punks and Poets page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the ones that are the number three and uh, basically the helmet pattern on there. Nice. Oh, okay, yeah. I found him, Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, they're clean, right? I I just clicked on his face. I don't. It's I don't. Is it going to give me his bio, or am I going to see his? It might just socks? be that press release bio about being a punk and a poet. <laughs> All right, I guess I have to search Ricardo then. Yeah, you can just check the. I'll send you the pics later. I All right, he's them. got two. He's got two pairs of designs. Yeah, one's just kind of a plain blue with lightning bolts that aren't even a different color. They're just a raised pattern. And then the other one is like the helmet style one that I think is Malne. Yeah. 17 euro. Jeez Louise. Oh yeah. $16 American and you get free shipping over. <laughs> we're, we're doing too much, uh, legit breakdown of the, uh, the store and products right now. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think they're money, and I, I just like Ricardo. I like, uh, I mean, like we said, he's a marketable personality. Imagine if he won the world championship, dude. He'd have everything across the globe, sponsorship-wise. He wouldn't need Beavis ever again, and White Dunes would be rolling in the white in <laughs> the green. I mean, he, he clearly never needed Beavis because he's not willing to pay that guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Beavis will probably just uh, revise his uh, his claims against him and start including every deal that he gets. Yeah, we need to stop crowbarring Beavis in every episode. We love talking about that guy. It's just fun to say Beavis. It is. All right, I, won't, right guy. I won't argue with that. Let's continue on this train with the whole Hulkenberg saga. I mean, we're all over the soap opera that is the sea changes and Hulkenberg's possible landing spot. So Haas boss, <laughs> the Haas boss, Gunther Steiner, says he would have no issues with potentially partnering Hulkenberg with Kevin Magnuson next season, despite a history of animosity between the two. So the incident, obviously, Ryan, that we love, that we've talked about ad nauseum, 2017 at the Hungara ring, Magnuson famously told Hulkenberg to, quote, suck my balls after hey, they met up. A, we need the audio for that, like, we need, badly. Yeah, we need to find a cleaner version because he when he says it, he cranes his head away from the microphone, so it's tough for me to pull, like, a quality rip. Oh, so, oh I'll, I'll get you a quality suck my balls clip. Don't you worry. Please do. Or we can just have someone else uh, do it in a Magnuson accent. But, yeah, we <laughs> we'll need just to pay, We'll pay a Danish guy to say it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Ryan, it's funny because that was one of the key storylines in Drive to Survive, the Formula One Netflix show that had its first season. And... Uh, it seems it was they kind of blew it out of proportion as you know TV and movies like to do. So uh, the quotes right now here from Gunther Steiner, he says, "quote We would manage this as if uh, the two were paired together despite their animosity." "quote We would manage." I don't think about that. It's not about them. It's about the team. We are all grown ups, and this is a business. <laughs> <laughs> but you never yeah, know. I mean. Hulkenberg kind of seems like a pushover based off uh, just his prior relationships with teammates and kind of those Ricardo quotes that you read earlier about what Ricardo said about him as a teammate. Hmm. So I, I, I'm totally convinced that Hulkenberg will just lay down when it comes to Magnuson, Magnuson at Haas. Yeah. Uh, Gunther goes on, Ryan, to say, quote, I'm sure you have colleagues you don't like to work with, and that's their problem, not ours, should the, the switch happen. So, yeah, I mean, we don't, way, we don't like each other, and we have to work on this podcast every week, right? You're goddamn right. So, <laughs> uh, Gunther, this is weird, and I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet, but isn't the fact that Gunther is even talking about um, the compatibility of, of Magnuson and Hulkenberg in the same team, isn't that just confirmation that Hulkenberg's coming? Yeah, I mean, it's also, though, the media also loves those storylines of a guy having said, tell another guy to suck his balls, and then they could potentially be teammates. The same way Ricardo gets asked about Red Bull constantly. I'm sure Gunther now is getting asked about this possible dynamic all the time. By the way, is, uh, is Gunther an idiot? I feel like he answers every question that is posed to him. Like, nobody has more sound bites out there than that guy. Yeah, he loves to chatter. We know that. He gives the, the media so much fodder. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Ryan Holkenberg also had some quotes here. He says, quote, I'd love to see that on possibly partnering with Magnuson. Quote, I'd love to see that. 
honestly, the teammate is the teammate. You have to accept them. With some of them, you get on, but you don't have to get on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think that's actually a pretty good driver pairing. If if they can get their car car um, situation together, that that might actually be pretty exciting. Yeah. And Ryan, this is great. Everyone was talking on this. You also have quotes from Magnuson here downplaying the rivalry. He says, quote, it was, dram- it was dramatized massively. Getting really tired. <laughs> he says, getting really tired of this subject. <laughs> Between Nico and me, there's really only been one incident in Hungary two years ago. It's incredible. We're still talking about it. I mean, there's not many drivers who are friends off the track. <laughs> Nico and I say hi to each other when we see each other on the driver's parade, but there's no issue between us. <laughs> Magnuson, Magnuson is absolutely right that it was dramatized, but it was dramatized by him saying that to him in the mix zone in front of the media. Right. And yeah, like caught on ca- on uh, microphone, on camera, everything right there. He could have just said, yeah, get out of here, mate. You know? Yeah, you know what else is funny too? Like this, since the rumor started about Hulkenberg potentially going there, you know, the whole ball sucking thing has just been stirred up constantly, and not once has Magnuson showed like any shred of remorse or apology. You know, Magnuson. Like, yeah, go ahead. You know, he's just like, yeah, yeah, it happened, and we can be teammates. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can come here and suck my balls. Right? <laughs> oh man, it's just it's, so funny. It's it's so. It's so unprofessional. Well, Magnuson, too, is that guy who always has a smile on his face. It's either a happiness smile or one of those, like, jerk smiles, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm smiling because I just know I'm fucking with you, you know? Yeah. Magnuson's funny, by the way, because I don't think he has at all earned the right to have this bad boy reputation he has. Like, basically, he's like a guy who races in the middle to the back of the grid and like a dickhead. Right, just blocks other people who are faster than him as he races backwards. Yeah, exactly. I do appreciate it, though, because we like those guys like Sergey Sorotkin did last year in a couple of races. We like the, the back markers that, uh, that still have a little fight in them. Yeah, I mean, that was just a... Sorotkin was like a meme, though. You know, we enjoyed it because it was like just a practical joke at that point. Yeah. Ryan, I have uh, one final one to go out on here. A little Kamui Kobayashi watch. So we talked about this on a previous episode, how Kamui Kobayashi still hasn't gotten a win in Super Formula. And uh, basically he just keeps coming close, but something always happens. So the headline is Kobayashi admits that a demon flat spot that he picked up while trying to pass Alex Paolo at Moteji cost him the chance to fight for his first Super Formula win. So Kobayashi had climbed up from 7th to 3rd and was basically fighting the top two drivers. Then he had a major lockup on lap 35 of 51. And uh, he says, quote, it felt like the tires were about to explode. The flat spot created that was created generated a demon-like vibration. <laughs> so, he so he's going... He's going spiritual on his excuses for why he hasn't podiumed yeah, or won. He's, he's blaming the devil for his inability to uh, win in Super Formula. So he ended up finishing second. Yeah. yeah. But because he had the, to how hit. De- hmm? how, about, how about the demon who braked too hard and, and created the flat spot, huh? Yeah, it's not his fault? That, what about that demon <laughs> who was trying to make a pass and flat spot his tires? 
<laughs> I don't want to be too hard on him because I, I like Kobayashi. No, I'm, big, I'm a big fan. I love him. I mean, he has to come up with something, right? He's got to motivate himself because it's got to get frustrating when you're – I mean, he was a really good driver in Formula One at a lower-end middle team, right? And whenever, Yeah, he was an amazing overtaker. Yeah, exactly. So it's got to be frustrating to go to Super Formula and probably be one of the best drivers there and still you can't get a W. I mean, he's he's got the Le Mans, Le Mans gig with – Toyota, he'll be fine. By the way, yeah. it's uh, it's Mo- it's Motegi, not Moteji. Yeah, Motegi. It's in Japan, so Motegi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Motegi. <laughs> Mo- exactly. <laughs> Motegi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, I I like to have our eyes on these other little series. So when we get the good news or just any good news articles, not <laughs> good or bad, uh, we like to uh, touch on that stuff to keep tabs on it. Yeah, and speaking of which, um, Purple Sector listeners, don't fret. Even though there's no Formula 1 this weekend, you still have MotoGP, speaking of other series. Yeah, we're going to have to get our eyeballs on that because it's been super exciting, dude. A lot of races coming down to the the line at the very end. Yeah, but Marquez has blown the last two races in the final quarter of the race. Back-to-back races. That can't be good for your dome. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why we like to keep tabs on these other series because... There's exciting stuff on track all the time, you know? You just got to find it. Oh, yeah. I just bought the uh, the video pass for MotoGP. They, they put it at a heavy discount after the halfway point of the season. So I just snagged it for the, for the rest of the season, and I've, I've just been watching so much MotoGP this week. It's been incredible. Yeah, plus, we've said this before, MotoGP has to be the best television product. Like, they do a great job of, obviously, it's exciting just to watch guys <laughs> dragging knees and elbows and helmets basically and they do great graphics great information great coverage you know uh, and it's dude. A, it's a bite-sized portion right those races are you know done and dusted in like 45 minutes yeah even less sometimes but their their stream service takes a big fat dump on f1 tv f1 tv i don't even know if you could call it the streams it's like a, a urine stream a week stream you know exactly it, it's it a, splatters not a around service. sometimes it misses the mark you know yeah it's not a stream service it's a stream disservice <laughs> exactly hopefully they, yep. can, they can get that stuff whoa i hit the wrong i was trying to drop in the f1 theme behind us start our intro music so yeah now i got the right one baby yeah right guys so that'll put a bow on this one for purple sector and uh yeah, man. There's good stuff. I'll have to get my eyes on MotoGP as well this weekend with you. Maybe we can yeah. get into that next week on the episode. Hopefully MotoGP isn't listening, but I can uh, give you my username and password. <laughs> I think I actually, on one of my streaming services, uh, I actually have the channel that car- doesn't be in or somebody carry it. Yeah, I believe BN Sports has the contract for MotoGP in the U.S. Yeah, I have BN, so I'm pretty sure I get MotoGP, but I'll let you know. Love yeah, it. absolutely. Love get, on it. The, get on the bike, bro. Get on yeah, the bike. man. I'm going to strap on two wheels and uh, start dragging, dragging knees, you know? Yep. Well, that does it for this episode of Purple Sector. Thank you all for tuning in, and if you haven't already, make sure you guys subscribe to the show. Go rate and review us. Give us five stars, hopefully, or whatever you you deem us worthy of. But give us a rating and review. Subscribe to the show and spread the word. That's the only way we're going to grow. So if you like or hate us, spread the word. Right, right, guy? 
Yeah, tell your motorsport loving friends. You got any buddies that like motorsport as well, get them on the podcast and uh, also reach out to us. We always enjoy the conversation. Yeah, we're at Purple Sector Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can find us there and go to our profile on Instagram. And uh, we also have a phone number you guys can call or text into. So yeah, like Ryan was saying, hit us up over there, slide into our DMs, leave us a voicemail or send us a text. And if there are other series or other stuff that you guys want us to talk about or get our eyeballs on, you know, drop us a line. We're always looking for something else. Yeah, exactly. So that'll do it. We appreciate it. We'll be back before you know it. So like we said, spread the word, subscribe, and we'll see y'all before you know it. Hope you enjoy and see y'all on the track. feel bad for ryan you could hear the skype drop off in the middle of that but when he skypes in he can't hear any of the drops in the audio so he missed out again on hearing that that gem of a recorder but appreciate it again thanks y'all see y'all on track